think with magic wand, I would just love it if everyone just understood, right? Magic wand, everyone understands. There's an importance with online teaching. We understand it. We're going to incorporate it. As an institution, we understand faculty need time. They need to get there. We're going to give them that time. And I know that is a big waving of the wand because this is reality. We know that there are there's distance between uh, faculty and training and understanding. So I think that if we could wave that wand, it would just be a coming together of knowledge and experience. So everyone is successful. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Garner. Hi, Brad. Hey, Tiffany. We are joined today by two incredible women, Dr. Carrie Henry Hewlett and Dr. Maria Gray. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. We're really excited to share ideas today. Hello, and thank you for the invitation. To our listeners, if you didn't get a chance to catch part one, this is the time to go back and listen in. Otherwise, we're going to continue the conversation where we left off last week. I've taught on a similar program we have here at Indiana Wesleyan. And tell me if you think this is true. These are unique people who go back to get another degree to become teachers. And I find them to be more intuitive about teaching than the traditional students who go through the four-year program right after graduating from high school. Yes, very often I find that to be true. I think that there's just a different mindset and there seems to be a different maturity a lot of times when they've already been out working. Maturity might not be the right word, but just focus maybe, you know, a focus on their goals because they've been out in the work field and they know what it's like to actually be working where a lot of our traditionally trained are fresh out of high school when they step in and, you know, they don't know. Right. That's right. And I don't think they approach it with the same confidence that our graduate students do. That's true. So when we're talking about the online classroom or online courses, Mm -hmm. what can instructors do to establish that strong teaching presence that we're talking about? I think, like I mentioned, I think the idea of just going through that entire process, right? You have to design, organize, facilitate these courses that really promote high achievement. And as teachers, we have to be very motivating. I guess that goes back to my earlier answer about my happily ever afters, right? We we have to be optimistic. We have to motivate them. We have to encourage them. Online is intimidating. It's scary. I think it's about establishing, going in with these strategies that establish opportunities for students to have that creative mindset and to really be able to grow in their learning. Online classrooms are not meant to be just a place to store content, right? We just not just go grab it, learn it and walk away. It's still meant to be interactive. We're still meant to make those connections. It is social. It's a different kind of social. It's a digital social. But I think their strategies are just to communicate those high standards, really emphasize that growth mindset, have lots of clear expectations uh, for interaction. I know netiquette is the buzzword right now, and we all have to be really careful with our netiquette. But I think those are some strategies, just making it comfortable for students. Comfortable, not easy. 
Um, I get that a lot. Oh, you want it to be comfortable. Comfortable is great. Comfortable is not easy. Comfortable can still be challenging. But I think from a teacher perspective and to really establish that presence, we want our students to feel comfortable. Know they're going to learn, know they will be challenged, but also know that they can reach out for help. Offer those simple methods to reach out for help. Provide a platform to where they can communicate and not be confused. Frustration is probably the number one reason they turn away. So eliminate those frustrations when possible. And it really does start in the beginning. Second, you sit down to design and organize. You just have to keep those concepts in mind for the students. Yeah, I totally agree. Intentional course design. For me, establishing a strong teacher presence is so much more involved in the actual course design before that course ever is launched than it is in the delivery. It's important in the delivery, of course, but you can design a course that is strong in teacher presence before they ever even walk in the classroom. And, you know, I've had faculty tell me before, I used to be in faculty development for online and I've had them tell me, oh, it's just too much work. I'll have to do all of these things. <laughs> and I would say baby steps, first of all. But when you design intentionally, it really does reduce the workload for the facilitation of that course. Mm. You've got to intentionally create um, a course, as Maria said, and I love that, Maria, when you said that um, it's not just a place to store documents. You know, as a peer reviewer for Quality Matters, one of the things I see consistently in courses is no instructions. They've done a great job of gathering all this content, right? And, and they've put wonderful content in for the students. Maybe they've got some really well-aligned assessments that measure whether the student learned what they wanted to learn and, and uh, activities and all this. But no clear guidance from the teacher. And I think that establishing your teacher presence is kind of like inserting the same things you would do in the classroom when you're guiding your students, right? Okay, everyone remember there's a test on Friday. Okay, let's put those weekly announcements in for our kiddos in the online environment. When you read tonight's reading, be sure that you take notes. We're going to need it on the test next week. Okay, in the online classroom, let's tell them that, right? Let's give them those instructions. One example that I do is if I've got a video, for example, I'll put in, as you watch this video, consider these three thought questions, right? And they're looking at that before they ever start that video. So they're looking for those things. That's not un unlike what we might do just in the day-to-day, -day, right, in our classroom, and that gives them some guidance, you know, and even going further. And we'll be using this information when we do X assignment later in the module, right? So that you're right there walking them through. Yeah, it's in text, but it's still they hear your voice and they're drawn through the course in that way. And I think, too, one thing, Carrie, not to digress, but you mentioned being a peer reviewer. One of the things I really appreciate is having other colleagues review my courses. So we do colleague review of courses. Nice. So if I am missing some of those instructions, because it's in my head, it makes complete sense to me. For example, if I were to pass it on to Carrie and say, will you take a quick look? I always make the joke, we go back so far that she's one of the ones who taught me how to teach online. So she's my go-to when I say, 
is everything there? Am I missing some components? And I think that plays a big part in it too. Establishing a strong teacher presence is making sure you know what a strong teacher presence is. And sometimes you have to get that validation from your colleagues, from peers. So I think that's an important step as well. Mm. Very good. What makes for a really strong welcome to an online course? How do you establish a strong welcome? I feel like maybe I'm wrong. That's something that can be consistent from course to course, discipline to discipline, some of those foundational strategies, what would you suggest? You know, I think it can be consistent. I think you're right. Number one, be authentic to yourself. I can't stress that enough that a lot of times we make the mistake of making faculty feel as though there's one way to do it. And that's, this is what you have to do. There's a checklist to a good course. And I disagree. I think the checklist to the good course is a, be yourself. And be authentic because, right, we're social presence. It's about that authenticity. It's about your voice coming out in this digital environment. So be authentic. I have known faculty who would never do a welcome video to save their life. They would not do a welcome video. It's uncomfortable to them. It's not their personality. And I've also known faculty who were forced to do it. And it came out like this and it was awful. No student <laughs> yes. is watching this, right? Yep. That's, it's not authentic. It's not useful, right? It, it's not useful to the students. They don't feel welcome at that point, right? So first and foremost, ask yourself what's comfortable and what represents you. I do a welcome video, always short, always keep all your videos as short as you can. And don't forget, if you're doing videos, it has to be accessible. I always put that caution out there because not all students can view the video in just a regular, you've got to have your captions or a transcript, something. But I do that. I also link to my LinkedIn. You know, I send them an email about a week before class and I said, hey, you know, I'm so glad that you're coming in class. Looking forward to working with you. The course is open now so you can begin to look around um, and start in this area. And I say, if you want to know more about me right now, here's my LinkedIn, just to give them a sense of, you know, social at that professional level, right? And then in the classroom, I do put in a video in most of my classes. I don't know if I have it at all, but I do put in a video and just kind of a quick overview of the course and welcoming them and giving them a face. And I always stress in there that I'm here for them. And that this is a relationship that we need to build and they need to reach out when they have questions and that sort of thing. So that's how I approach a welcome to the course. I think mine is somewhat similar. Uh, again, I think video is so important. We have to remember that text is not enough, right? They want to feel involved in the environment and it's about seeing each other's faces. And one of the things I know a lot of teachers do, myself included, is the Assignment where they have to introduce themselves, maybe with a PowerPoint or a short video, and that gives them an opportunity to share their personal interests, pictures of their family, their pets, you know, and suddenly we don't just become names on a screen. We are people. We have lives. We are social. Just because we're separated by distance doesn't mean we can't build that level of trust, that level of confidence, and that comfortable environment. One thing I love to do is called uh, popping in. 
And so throughout a semester, I will just kind of think of it maybe when I'm making dinner or if I'm sitting on the couch watching a movie. And, you know, we always have our phones and we can do a really quick Zoom video, just 30 seconds. And it's just literally very, very authentic me saying, hey, everybody okay? Anyone have questions? Don't forget, you can reach out, right? Simple methods for asking for help as well. Reach out, talk to me, let me know what's going on. And I'll post that kind of, I don't want to say haphazardly because it does have a place in the online course, but it seems like I was just popping in. And I think just reminding them that we're human too. We're people, you know, I'm at home making dinner, just like you probably do. So again, we're all in this together. And I just think that those type of videos, again, making sure they're accessible, but giving the students that sense of, even though we're separated by this distance, this online distance, I can see your face. I can hear your voice now when I read your feedback on assignments, because I've seen you and I've heard your voice before. And those might not be welcome um, examples, but I think they're they're examples that keep students engaged throughout a semester and that they're not doing this alone. The biggest thing is Carrie said, we're there for them, right? We're doing this for them. I'm growing from it as well, but I just it's a constant reminder that we're not doing this in isolation. I would throw out one caveat to that, and that is that when you're doing video, it's always important to remember that not all students are engaging in the class in a place where they can necessarily watch videos. Also, some students don't want to watch videos. Just give me the instructions, let me do the thing. So be super careful about burying important information in a video. You know what I'm saying? So just make sure that you're, you know, like if it's important, also maybe put it in text. That way, you know, especially instructions, because there's nothing more frustrating. And I say this as all of my advanced degrees were fully online. So as a student, there's nothing more frustrating than the only way I'm going to get at the instructions is if I watch this 35 minute video <laughs> and they're buried somewhere in the middle. Guys, that is frustrating. So, so be aware of that. Always intentionally designing from a student's perspective. What's their life like? You know, maybe they have to be sitting in front of the TV with kids watching cartoons and video is not really conducive for their world. So keep that in mind. So how do we get faculty to embrace these known principles that enhance online learning? Mm -hmm. This is, you know, like I said, I was in faculty development for several years. And the biggest thing I would say is this, what I found is you've got to meet faculty where they are. You've got to honor what they are already doing, first and foremost, honor the knowledge they already have. And don't expect massive change. Mm. So many times, well-meaning faculty development centers and online teaching departments and whoever, in their desire to assist students, often want, okay, we're just going to have everybody's class going to look like this. Okay, A, that goes back to my thoughts on authenticity of individual. We're the curator of this class. You can't make me fit into your mold, first of all. And so, so don't have these expectations that everybody's the same because they're not. And what makes them such a wonderful teacher is their uniqueness. 
and what they bring to the table. And we need to leave a space for that. And as far as sweeping changes, baby steps, you know, it's kind of like, what about Bob? We just need to take baby steps, you know, just a step at a time here. Let's just get there slowly. Don't, don't force them. And the one situation, to quote the Jamaicans, is that sometimes faculty are so far back in here in that fight or flight when it comes to online course design. And they know they've got to teach online, right? They're being, they understand that, but they don't know what they're doing and they know it. They know a lot more than they think they do. I will say that. But they're so scared that they're just back here. And when you say, hey, let's take some baby steps. How can I assist you in improving your course? They come out of this fight or flight with you're trying to take over. You're trying, you know, so it is a struggle a lot of times for faculty development groups and and online design groups and stuff to really be heard for what their intent is, not for what's being perceived from that anxiety place where the faculty sometimes are. So as faculty developers, I think it's important to realize that they're in a bit of a fight or flight mode. But as faculty, sit back and think about the last interaction you had with that center or with that instructional designer, whoever, and reevaluate from giving them the grace and the benefit of the doubt to say, hey, they're offering me assistance, not taking over my class. And see where that doesn't bring you closer together on the joint goal of making this class the best it can be for students, engaging the students and creating this community of inquiry with the help from these other groups. Well, and looking at it from the lens of the university or an institution, I think that training goes a long way, but meaningful, relevant training. We know that our LMSs have updates regularly. We know different technologies come and go. So I think it's a matter of keeping faculty informed and really promoting any kind of training or professional development opportunities that equip them with not only the tools to make their classes great, but also the confidence that the school understands, the school is trying to support those changes. And like Carrie said, do it in baby steps. I know that during COVID, when everyone had to pivot online and we were selected from our college to be mentors for faculty who had not taught online. And suddenly we were tasked with working with faculty somewhat in, I don't want to say an emergency situation, but it was a quick pivot to take a face-to-face class and place it in online format. And I think that was an amazing, wonderful challenge, but it really was a matter of the university and hopefully all institutions stepping up and saying, we need to provide these opportunities. We need to provide the professional development. We need to provide the interactions so that people have the confidence to build and facilitate these classes that really help the students succeed. Mm. It's all about the teacher efficacy. To me, that's where it starts, the confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Tiffany, are we gonna give them a chance to wave the magic wand? You think we should? I think we should. Okay. I think I earned it. <laughs> well, as a major, not only am I a parrot head, I'm also a Potter head. I am a huge <laughs> Harry Potter fan. 
and they war within me. Both of those war within me. So waving a magic wand is not, this is not my first rodeo. I'm just not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> well, and Maria with the castles and the ever after, Maria is also like, give me a wand. Right. Of a different sort. Notice she kept that a secret until the end. And she let me hover in this ever, ever after world. Yes, yeah. because I love Harry Potter. Okay. I, our listeners don't know, but they're actually already holding wands right now, waving the <laughs> wands in their offices around their heads. And yeah. <laughs> I got half a dozen right here in, within arm's reach. <laughs> you know, for me, if I could wave a magic wand, again, I don't want to sound trite, but that would be, as it relates to this, it would be to give faculty the real understanding that they do know how to do this and they can do this. And it does not take a sweeping change. Little incremental changes will so impact your students and the outcomes of the course. And, you know, you can do what works for you and still succeed with your students. So I think teacher efficacy when it comes to teaching online, that would be what I would change. And I think we're headed there as a higher education across the country, but I feel like that is the area that we could really grow is that sense of efficacy. I think with magic wand, I would just love it if everyone just understood, right? Magic wand, everyone understands. There's an importance with online teaching. We understand it. We're going to incorporate it. As an institution, we understand faculty need time. They need to get there. We're going to give them that time. Mm. And I know that is a big waving of the wand because this is reality. We know that there are there's distance between uh, you know, faculty and training and understanding. So I think that if we could wave that wand, it would just be a coming together of knowledge and experience. So everyone is successful. No pushing, no forcing. Uh, just a general understanding, I think, in the, the world of higher education. Lots I, think, of I don't know about you, but I, I feel enlightened and informed today. I've learned so much from these two folks. They're awesome. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. I am kind of left with the curiosity, though. Is there anything that we can get behind? What kind of work are you involved with right now that's at the forefront of your minds? Your your goals, your latest projects? Is there anything that, that we can be thinking of, praying for, getting behind? Well, for me, I'm kind of in the midst of several projects that I've kind of been drawn into. <laughs> so I'm sure you guys know what that's like. But I'm working a lot in teacher induction and helping new teacher educators. I'm kind of joining a group that's been in existence. And so they're bringing me in as well. And I'm also working on some ideas surrounding alternative certification of educators and how are we going to retain them once we train these alternatively certified educators, how are we going to move them in to the pipeline and keep them there, which, you know, retention is going to make a big dent, I think, in the teacher shortage, if we can figure that out. So those are two kind of outside the university. And then inside the university, we're also looking at teacher efficacy based on the coursework that we are providing these alternative certified educators. We're tracking how they feel about education after the fact, mm. you know, after they've had this and how well it's actually impacting their practice as opposed to, yeah, they took the courses, you know, they've got the degree that says they have what they need or they've got the piece of paper, 
So we're looking at, okay, but is it really impacting how you practice? Mm -hmm. And then hopefully that will inform our next steps on how we improve and grow our program from there. Well, and I think for both of us, I know that, you know, continually referencing and updating our knowledge about the standards of online teaching. Carrie mentioned quality matters. We do quite a bit of work, both of us do quite a bit of work with peer review. Uh, our institution uses the quality matters standards. So, you know, we've talked a lot about how we need to have a presence in the classroom, but we also need to make sure we are producing classes that meet a standard. So it's really easy to say, build confidence and include instruction and be present. But we also have to be mindful of how we are and introducing that information and that material to students. So for me, it's a lot of um, online work, looking at standards, making sure that we are staying up to date with standards, we're staying up to date with technology and incorporating it where it's useful, not just because it's available. Mm. So I think there's some, some different ways to look at how we incorporate our lessons, our technologies, et cetera, into these online platforms. Yeah. We're working on a follow-up article, actually, to submit for Scholarly Teacher, where we focus specifically on, there was some interest in the reviewers in a statement that we made that we feel teacher presence is the most important, which kind of led this conversation, right? Yeah. So we've been working on explaining why we think that and how we can achieve it. Oh, wonderful. Why it matters. We'll look forward to stealing that as well. Good job. But we've already done the podcast on it. So, you know, one of the reasons why we asked what you're working on, I was thinking this as I'm asking, and I'm thinking, here I am trying to get topics for next year when we invite you back. It's like, I want to know what you're working on. So next year I can automate an email that's like, how is this going? And do you want to talk about it on the podcast? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Carrie and I do a lot of professional development together. So like I said, we tend to present together, we write together, we do quite a bit. So if there's usually any kind of a a new topic to be explored, one of us will be involved in it and then soon both <laughs> yeah. of us. One so of the things just- that we love to present on is the concept of leadership in the classroom and understanding our own leadership strengths and then using those, you know, maximizing the use of our own, again, authenticity to impact the excellence of our classrooms. And so we periodically will look at that through the lens of uh, whatever it is we're currently studying and speak to a group on that. And it's, it's always well received because I think a lot of times we think that leadership in the university is only those who have those titles. And in reality, we're all leaders where, you know, we did a keynote last year, lead where you're planted, right? You know, and getting people, I guess, a little bit motivational, but also based in theory that people can apply and and actually take action on. Very good. Well, thank you for being with us today. This has been very exciting. What do you think, Tiffany? I am completely thrilled with the way this went. I feel connected. Like the four of us could easily present together. It'd be amazing. But for now, (laughs) now, thank you both for being here. And thank you to our listeners. Please share the episode. Catch us again next week for new episodes. Like and promote the podcast. We can keep doing this. It's so much fun. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. 
Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.